Well, good morning again. Um, it is always really cool, I think, when stuff doesn't go right. Um, you know, we had you know some issues with the cues this morning and the songs, um, but we're 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 not perfect. And I think that you know when we have um, situations like that that we work through, it just shows that um, you know points to our Savior. And so you know this morning, uh, Warner's not here, and Pastor Jonathan's not here as well, and so. Um, we were scrambling this morning. I had, you know, the printer wasn't working. The, you know, I couldn't get slides to Ashley back there. And, and then I was putting all the stuff in the computer right up to the last minute. So it is not, um, it is not always uh, going as planned, but that's okay. It's, it's okay because God's got us. Um, and so we've been in a series over the last several weeks um, talking about the Bible. Um, and we've been talking about what we believe uh, about the Bible, the characteristics that we use to describe the Bible, and how God uses the Bible to reveal himself to us so that we may know him and bring him glory. We've discussed that we believe that the Bible is the inspired work of God, that it is authentic, that it's authoritative, and that it is inerrant. And next week, um, we will finish off the series um, examining how the Bible is, is sufficient. It's everything um, that we need. But today, I'm going to talk about why the Bible is personally necessary for us. Why, why do we need the Bible? I'm going to attempt to make the argument um, for why the Bible should represent the single most important thing in our lives. But first, um, let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, um, thank you for today. Thank you... Um, Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for letting us um, wake up and be able to come here, um, gather together, um, and lift up our our voices and our minds and our hearts to you, Lord. Um, I just pray that as we work through the message today, um, that you illuminate what um, you want us to hear, and um, that it is a blessing to us and it brings glory to you, Lord. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when I was growing up, um, you know, I know it's a family Sunday. We've got some kids in here today in our K through five, so I, I'll try not to go too, too long. But, you know, we didn't have iPads and, and you know, entertainment screens in the back of our cars and things like that. So um, I was kind of fascinated with, with maps growing up. And so, you know, we had, you know, big atlases around the house and stuff like that. And so I, I, could, I could lose hours just kind of looking at maps. I was interested in geography and seeing how far things are from each other, how the world connects, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, some of you have already, or some of the kids are probably already lost, right? Like, what's an atlas? An atlas is like a big book that um, has pictures of maps in it. Um, today, you can just look that up anywhere on the internet, but um, stick with me here, okay? Um, I also remember we'd go on road trips, and my dad would always go to AAA, and he'd get these, um, these trip books, and it was basically like, you know, GPS before there was GPS. It would basically be like a little flip book that would tell you how you got from your house to whatever your destination was. Um, and I would sit in the back of the car, and my, you know, we'd be driving along, and it's not like we were going in these really roundabout places or anything. So, like, imagine going from Jacksonville to Baltimore. It's I-95 straight shot, right? Um, not a lot of map needing to be done there, but I would just sit there, and I'd look at, like, the mile markers going by and when the next interchange was going to come, and and try to avoid asking the question, when are we going to be there? I was trying to figure that out for myself. And so, you know, it, it was just one of those things where 
we, we didn't have a lot to entertain ourselves. But even today, now that we have GPS on our phones, always doesn't work out that we get to the right place either. I remember when, uh, when Apple decided that they were going to move away from Google Maps and, and use their own proprietary software, and you'd type in where your destination would go, and then it would take you to some other place, right? Like it was nowhere near uh, where you were trying to go. And I never ended up in a different state or anything, but I did end up um, you know, in some office parks across town a couple of times where I wasn't supposed to be. So even with technology, it doesn't always get it right. Um, but all joking aside, not having proper directions in life can, can lead to serious consequences or even life-threatening situations. And so that leads me to these questions. What are you using for navigation today in your life? How do you discern where you're going and whether or not you're on the right path to your destination or not? And where is your destination? Where are you trying to get to? And is your navigation based on the things of this world, or is it based on God? How we answer these questions has eternal significance and cannot be ignored. So today's central scripture is going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And it provides clear evidence um, to why the Bible is necessary in our life. But before we go uh, through all of those specific verses, let me give you a little background about 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy itself. So Paul, the Apostle Paul is the author of this book, and he's, he's writing a letter to his um, good friend and fellow uh, missionary minister, um, Timothy, from prison. Um, he knows he's kind of at the end of his um, time here on earth. Um, he's captive, and he's really using this as an opportunity to encourage Timothy that he has to clearly persevere in the gospel in spite of um, suffering. And Timothy, or in, and uh, Paul is certainly suffering at this point. Um, he encourages Timothy to continue the fight for faith, um, and he also cautions him, though, that in these end times that the world will get more and more godless. And that is, you know, very, very uh, clearly similar to the parallels of today's um, society that we live in. And I know we've talked about this before, but when we say the last days, it's really the point from um, when Christ um, died and rose um, from the grave uh, and, and, and then to the point where Christ comes back um, in the second coming. And so we're in the last days right now, um, just as Paul was saying um, to Timothy. He mentioned several times, too, that he's been abandoned by people that are close to him. And so he's pleading with Timothy to come and visit him one last time and to bring him um, his, his scriptures his, or his, his writings and his, his uh, parchments so that he can continue in the work of the gospel that he spent his entire um, latter part of his life um, preaching. So let's turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 3, verse 14, and we'll read through um, those chapters. Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, so let's start at the beginning of this here. So in verses 14 and 15, Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned 
Um, continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Um, so that you, sorry, um, and how from childhood you have become acquainted with the sacred writings. Here Paul is telling Timothy um, to continue, to remain in, to stay grounded in what he has learned. And he believes, and, and that is pointing to the scriptures. Um, the NIV and the King James Version actually use the, the term holy scriptures for the same verse instead of, instead of um, sacred writings. Um, he also expresses the importance of who's taught him this, this, uh, this information. Paul is likely referring to Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his, uh, and his mother, Eunice, because he mentions them earlier in this, um, in this book, in chapter 1, verse 5. And he's, he's encouraging Timothy that these are people that love him, people that, he know, that Timothy knows their character, and he should trust what they're telling him. And, and so he's wanting him to continue in what he has learned, um, for that is the truth. And then continuing in verse 15, he says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's saying that the scripture that Timothy is, has learned and believed has brought him wisdom. And through that wisdom that has led him to faith in Christ Jesus, through the hearing of the gospel, which has brought him to salvation. And that's, that's really the, the gospel message in and of itself. So let's turn to Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9. And I've, got, I've marked up my Bible because I'm going to jump all over the place today, but, um, but <laughs> it, it'll just make it easier for me to get there. Um, all right, so in chapter 10, uh, verse 9 through 14, he says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on his name, on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then, Timothy, or then Paul goes into... Um, you know, these rhetorical questions. Um, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So through this series of rhetorical questions, Paul considers the chain of events that are necessary uh, for, a person, for a person to be saved. And we can deduce from this that we need to call on the Lord to be saved. But we can only call on him if we believe in him and that he is a savior worthy of being called upon. People can't believe Jesus is the savior unless they've heard of him. They can't hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them about him, preaches about him. And remember, we're all called to preach the gospel. Um, you know, just because I'm standing up here infallibly talking about this today, or fallibly talking about this today, excuse me, um, doesn't, doesn't make us any different. We're all called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, saving faith comes from hearing this gospel message, and communicated. it's communicated through Scripture and believing in Jesus our Lord. So this brings me to our first key, and there's going to be four of these. 
So scripture is necessary for salvation because it brings you to Christ. The Bible is the only place that we can hear about this. It's the only place that we hear the good news. It's the only place that somebody like me could understand or somebody like you could understand to be able to tell somebody else about Jesus. That salvation is found in the belief of Christ alone and that he loves us. He died for us. He took God's judgment for our sins upon himself. He rose again from the dead, proving that he alone has the power to forgive every one of our sins. And God chose to communicate this truth to us through the ages using this book. Paul is encouraging Timothy to continue to study Scripture because that's where he will find Jesus. That is how he'll strengthen himself and his faith, and that's how he'll be led to salvation. So going back um, to 2 Timothy again, into, the, into our core Scripture, um, in verse 16, he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And I'm not going to spend too much time in here because over the last several weeks, we've been talking extensively about, um, about this area. But to recap, we talked about how the Bible is inspired or breathed out by God into the Scriptures. And let's meditate on that for just a second, okay? The eternal God of the universe, the creator of everything, including the heavens and the earth, the God who sent Jesus Christ to die as our Savior, the God who indwells us with the Holy Spirit, he has spoken to humanity, and that message is in this book. And he did it using people in the Old and the New Testament, using the, the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit. And how incredible is that? I mean, I, I, we can't get our human minds around what that actually means for us. But he, he loves us enough to want to communicate to us, and he gave us this inerrant, document that allows us to know about him and read about him and learn about him and it never changes. So the second point, which almost feels silly to say, is that scripture is necessary because it comes from God. I mean, is that kind of funny? Like, shouldn't we just automatically be like, wow, this is, this is really important to me. But yet, sometimes we don't. And how can we ignore something that God gave to us? Our God, who is all-powerful, living outside of time and space, gave us this. We should unquestionably treasure this gift more than anything that we have. It's the word of God from God about God that we may know him and his will for us so that we may grow in the knowledge and understanding of our creator. So in the second part of, of verse 16, it says, you know, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So according to Paul, those four things are crucial for our spiritual lives. He's pointing to the importance of these components as a part of the sanctification process. Now, sanctification is, is a, a real churchy word. Um, so if you, if you don't know what that means, it is, it is essentially being set apart for a sacred purpose or... Um, to free someone from sin, or to make someone um, pure, to purify. So this is God's gracious work that enables Christians to become more holy over time. And we cannot obviously be freed from sin 
without Jesus. And we can't do this on our own. So that is the third reason that Scripture is necessary, for the sanctification through Jesus Christ. Paul says that Scripture is profitable for these four things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training. Profitable meaning useful or beneficial or purposeful. But how how is it profitable? How is it profitable for us? It's profitable for teaching so that we can know what is true. This is where we get the word doctrine from. Doctrine means a belief or a set of beliefs. In order to know God, we must know certain things about his character and his design for us. What we know about God shapes the way that we think and act in our lives. Scripture's purpose is to teach us what is right. I'm going to go through a few a few different passages here um, that, that point to this. So, um, First one is Ephesians 4.14. Hold, please. Okay. Um, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes talking about, you know, the need for Scripture so that we, we don't get pulled in all these directions so that we can figure out without having to question what is actually right for us. In Hebrews 13, 19, sorry, 13, 9, he says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have benefit those devoted to them. Again, strengthened by grace through the scriptures that God has provided for us. And then finally in Romans, uh, Romans 15, chapter 4, sorry, Romans chapter 4, verse, verse 4, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Sorry, you guys, hold on with me here. Um, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so here he's pointing, you know, to, to scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament and that we could be encouraged and have hope for our lives. Each of these verses are examples to help us understand what God says is right. Next, scripture is profitable for reproof. So God wants us to know what's also not right or wrong, uh, what's untrue or impure. The world we live in today doesn't really accept God's viewpoints, does it? It doesn't really um, seem to uh, bring his truths forward. It seems like everything is, um, you know, every, everything is, is okay these days. It doesn't really matter. Um, so how do we make sense of that in this chaotic word? We need discernment. It's far easier, yet eternally dangerous, to interpret sin as anything other than sin. And yet, over and over again, people make excuses, myself included, for why my sinful nature is okay. Or maybe there's a, a caveat or a, you know, a, something I might have missed in my interpretation. It's pretty clear if, if we're 
in the Word and we meditate on the Word, it's pretty clear what God has for us. And when we're doing something wrong, we need to be stopped and told it's wrong. This is reproof. So turning to Psalm 141, verse 5, he says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. The psalmist is, is you know, basically excited about his process of, of becoming closer to God, being more like Christ. And, you know, a righteous man is somebody who is a fellow um, brother or sister in Christ that is helping him along. In Proverbs 29, uh, verse 15, says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. A lot of times the Bible kind of uses this example of children and then maturing into adults. And it's, it's, the sanctification process is the same thing. We, when we become believers in Christ, we are children or neophytes. We're immature in our understanding of what God might have for us. But we have a mustard seed of hope and faith, and the Holy Spirit indwells in us to grow that in us. But if we don't point ourselves back to the Holy Scriptures... Where are we going to find that information? Where are we going to get that reproof in our lives? It's possible, although probably not as um, valuable, that you know, coming to church on Sundays and being in a small group and being with your friends in Christ um, will have this potential outcome for you. But I promise you that if you don't take the time to dive into the Word daily, it will not be as, as fulfilling as God would have it for you to be. So I encourage you guys um, to lovingly reprove each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes I think that we're, you know, we're in this politically correct society where we're saying, oh, I don't want to make somebody feel bad. If it's done in a loving way, in a, in a Christian way that um, calls out what you're doing wrong and points you back in that direction, that's what God would have for us. It's very important. Okay, the next thing is that Scripture is profitable for correction. So correction is directional. Um, and in other words, how do we get right when we're going wrong, right? Um, we know what's right from Scripture, but we'll inevitably end up going down the wrong path because we're all, we're all wretched sinners. And so we are, going to, we are going to mess up. We are going to go in the wrong direction. We are going to go away from God. But God, like Jennifer said, is constantly chasing after us. And the Bible provides us with that corrective measure to bring us back into the right way. But it's only through repentance of our sin that we're able to make that U-turn and go back in the other direction. If we just continue to go down the path even when we know that we're sinning, that's eternally damning. We, 
absolutely have to repent of our sins at the foot of the cross. In Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You don't discipline your children because it's fun, right? You discipline your children because you want them to be headed in the right direction. That's exactly what God does for us too. In the middle of it, it's always painful. I mean, I, I'm going to call you guys out here for a second, Michael and Ben, but sometimes when, when you're not getting what you want and we have to push you back in the right direction, it's a, it's a tough experience for you, right? You, you're fighting and screaming and, and not necessarily wanting to be that way, but then after the fact, there's something great about that. And I'll tell you, I mean, just... Just so you know, you'll have this epiphany one day too, but my parents were mostly right. You know, like when I, when I was growing up and rebelling and trying to, to do my own thing and they would discipline me, I thought I knew everything. But it's, it's amazing how once you grow up and you have children and um, kind of get you know, put in the same situations, you have a little bit different perspective. But um, turn over to, uh, to Proverbs 15. Verse 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Again, and we, should, we should appreciate it. It's not that we're going to like the disciplining and the, and the redirection, but we need it. And we should, be, we should be excited about the fact that God loves us enough to do this for us. God lovingly disciplines us so that we can turn away from darkness and into the light. And lastly, Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. Thank God. I mean, thank God. This, this is the sanctification process, the training in righteousness. God wants us to continue to grow more holy by modeling our lives after Jesus Christ. And you don't just need to be stopped and corrected. You actually need to be continually coached and trained on the right way to live and how not to live. And that's, that's what this is for. You know, whether whether we're, we're talking about it in this setting or we're having you know, Bible study um, with our friends, it, that's what this is for, is for us to be coached and trained in the right way um, to live that God would have for our lives. And sometimes that's not convenient. Um, oftentimes it's not convenient. Um, but there's so much joy that comes out of that in our lives. So a couple more here. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from this. I love this because it's basically saying that if you discipline yourself to be in the word 
and, and you know, take from it what God would have for you through the Holy Spirit, as you grow older, it will not depart from you. I think that when, when you're, whenever you're doing anything, like if you're training for a, let's say you're training for a, um, a, a marathon or something, and you end up, you know, getting sick and you have to stop for a while, then you get back onto it. It's always kind of hard to get back into the running again because you're, um, you're just not as in shape anymore. And so what God is encouraging us to do here is that if we stay in the Scripture continually, it'll be harder for us not to depart from it. Hebrews 12:11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. And he's describing here the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and it's only through this discipline that, like I said, it can be painful sometimes, but very, very valuable. So what does God, what purpose does God have in sanctifying us? We go back to, uh, to 2 Timothy again, um, verse 17. He says, so that man, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And this is the last point. Scripture is necessary so that we may be equipped to bring glory to God. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. God wants us to know him, to know his will, to know his desires for our lives so that we can serve him and bring him glory. That's that's literally our purpose in life. And we do that through loving one another as Jesus loved us. Scripture enables us to live a life on mission. The results of teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness is that we serve God. And that brings him joy. Said differently, Scripture is essential to aiding believers in Christ. They have the ability and tools to bear the fruits of the Spirit, which also brings glory to God. Through the Scripture, we become proficient in life, fully equipped and matured with everything that we need. So the last, um, last verse that I'll read is from Hebrews 5. Thirteen. Through 14 it says for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since his since he is a child but solid food is for mature for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil god wants us to fall in love with our, with him guys he wants us to fall in love with serving him and when we abide in his word, we practice turning away from sin, which reflects his glory in our lives. So, when I began, I asked the question about how you're navigating through life. And Paul is clearly showing us that the Bible is much more than a book of laws and rules. The Bible provides us with a map to navigate through life and points us towards eternal redemption through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't need to feel lost and out of control. 
God has already given us everything we need to navigate through this world. If you're leaving this book on the shelf or on your bedside, I plead to you to repent. It's sinful, and we need to repent from it. We say that we believe God's word, that we trust in it, but do we open it up every day? Do we look and see what God would have for us on a daily basis? I know that I'm guilty of that sometimes. Life gets busy, and, you know, things are important. One thing, you know, studying this, um, preparing for this this week, it has just reaffirmed for me that I need to be spending as much time as possible in this book. It's not, it's not just a book. This is God's, God's word for us. It is God's inspired, breathed out word. And it is, it is amazing that he would choose to communicate to us because, like Jennifer was saying, we, we don't deserve it, especially after falling away from him. We deserve his, his wrath and retribution. But it's that he loves us and he wants us to have a life that points to Christ. I'm pledging for you, or I'm pleading to you guys to recommit your life to being in the Word of God. Read it, meditate on it, obey it, and treasure it. I promise you that the result will be a renewed and growing commitment to the one whom these scriptures are about. The Word of God is his story, Jesus' story, of how he left heaven, heaven's glory to live the perfect life among men. He took our place to die for our sins on the cross. He rose from the dead to return to heaven victorious over death and darkness. And he reigns and rules as the, our Lord and Savior. When I'm standing in front of him in judgment, I want to be sure that I've received him. Do you ever worry about that? Do you ever worry, have I really received God? Um, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But the only way that that can possibly happen is through the Bible. And without this, we are incapable of being sure. Let me pray.